The Mike Lupica Podcast. We are back now with the great Mike Lupica. He's one of the country's Mike most Lupica prominent Mike has covered just about every sport. Candid interviews with legends he calls friends. I was talking to Jordan about Woods after the basketball game mm-hmm. the other night. Everybody wants everybody in sports to be the next this guy, the next this guy. And Michael said, no, he's the first Tiger. In your face questions. How much of a dope is he? Compelling. A billion dollar industry, the biggest we've ever had in sports in this country, often comes down to a flip of the coin. This is the Mike Lupica Podcast. Here's Mike Lupica. Hello and thanks for joining us on the Mike Lubica Podcast. Today we're really happy to be joined by an old friend of mine, the author of the new book, Commander-in-Chief, How Golf Explains Trump. He spent time at Sports Illustrated, he spent time at ESPN, uh, was awarded the, the National Sports Writer of the Year Award 11 times. He's a member of the National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Hall of Fame, along with myself, and the author of 13 books in all. He's a great Rick Riley. But before we get started with Rick, I want to let you know about Geico. Okay, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me, because if, if it doesn't confuse me, it's not going to confuse you. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, of course, is Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers. And in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Oh, damn it, I'm out of time. Welcome back to the uh, Mike Lubica podcast. And we are joined today by one of the great sports writers of, of all time. He is Rick Riley. He uh, was uh, named Sports Writer of the Year. It says 11 times. It felt like 111 times. Um, he, he, he wrote for the LA Times. He wrote for Sports Illustrated. And he wrote for ESPN. And he's written movies. And he's writing sit, trying to write sitcoms and movies. But he currently has a hilarious bestseller out about the leader of the free world and how he cheats at golf called Commander in Cheat. It is three weeks on uh, the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, Rick is an old friend. Um, I was honored when when I went into the uh, National Sports Media Hall of Fame. He did a splendid job as the MC last night. And uh, (laughs) congratulations on this book. And here's my first question for you, Riley. Have you been surprised? surprised that that the leader of the free world has not gone after you on twitter i am begging i am begging <laughs> for a tweet give me a tweet i can drink the imported beer the rest of my life he has 58 million followers and half of those people follow him just to be mad at him so and, and as soon as he tweets which i know he's dying to do because i have a couple of buddies who are his good buddies and he, he's going to tweet oh, what a dishonest piece of crap rick riley is and then I'm going to say, okay, who read it to you? <laughs> We're talking to Rick Riley on the Mike Lubica podcast. Okay, there's a lot to unpack with this book, but but you really intersected with Donald Trump in the writing of a previous bestseller of yours. Yeah, I wrote a, a book called Who's Your Caddy, in which I went around and caddied for uh, 12 famous people or ne'er-do-wells or whoever they were, gamblers, and... He had been, you know how Trump is, right? He's always on you like the measles, right? He's like, Rick Riley, greatest sports writer in the world. What are you going to write about me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. What is this? And, he, and uh, he goes, no. And Marla Maples was there the first time I met him. And, and she said, yeah, no, he's your, you're our favorite. And she pulled one of my columns out of his purse. 
<laughs> and I'm like, okay, what's the spread up here? Well, I want you to come and play my. So, so I, I go to Westchester, and I'm supposed to caddy for him, Trump Westchester. And uh, instead, he says, look, you're playing with me. I got nobody to play with. And when you're with Trump, he starts lying about you. Like he started, <laughs> this is Rick Riley. He's the publisher of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> and I'm looking around like, no, I'm not. And this is Rick Riley. He's managing editor of Sports Illustrated. No, I'm not. And then this is Luigi. He's voted best spaghetti chef in the world. <laughs> and Luigi's looking at me like, no, I'm not. It's yeah. just chaos. But anyway, he took, like, I think he took five mulligans. He took the world's ever, first ever gimme chip in. I never heard of that. And there's nothing you can do. He's, he cheats. He writes down the wrong scores. He jumps in his cart, and he's 100 yards ahead of you all the time, kicking it. In fact, the caddies at Wingfoot saw him kick it so often, they started calling him Pele. <laughs> we're, we're talking to my friend Rick Riley on the Mike Lupica podcast. Okay, so now you, 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 you see this up close, and everybody, yeah. uh, you know, everybody uh, in, in the world of golf uh, had, had heard about this. Okay, now... When does the idea, you know, I, I, when I go around the country talking about my kids' books, I always tell the kids the following. Once a good idea gets in your head, it's impossible to get out, okay? <laughs> and, and Rick, you know it's true, okay? So true. somewhere, somewhere in your brain, you know that there's a larger story to be told. So when does this idea, when do you begin thinking of it as a book? Well, I didn't want to write a book. I was living three months a year in Italy. I'm sitting there in Florence trying to set the world poster slurping record yep. and I'm just loving life. Right. And I'm writing two hours a day on a screenplay and just really having fun. And except I keep seeing him on my phone saying to people, you need to vote for me because I'm a champion. I'm a winner. I've won 18 club championships in golf and that's against the best players in the club. That is with no strokes. And I'm like, you freaking liar. You told me how you did it that day, which is which is that whenever you open a new course that you've bought or or redone, you op uh, you play the first round by yourself with Melania and Baron in the card or whatever, <laughs> and you call that the club championship, and then your name goes on the wall. So I started checking to see how often his name was the first one on his club's wall of club champions, and it was nearly it was every one. Then I started looking into it. He's saying club champ. No, he's won a bunch of super seniors club championships, which is fine. But that's the difference between Vanna White and Betty White. And then I started finding out that he won tournaments he didn't even play in. Like he won one at Trump Philly. It was, it was being held at Trump Bedminster. He played that day at Trump Philly. He finishes the day. He calls Bedminster and says, hey, uh, what won the club championship today? And they go, oh, uh, you know, Lenny Schmertz shot 75. <laughs> oh, well, I shot 72 up here, so make me the club champ. So poor Lenny Schmertz yeah. gets his club championship taken away, and Donald Trump's goes up. You know, he won one. This wasn't my reporting, but Golf.com reported after the book came out that he won one uh, when he was in Singapore with Kim Jong-un, and they held it at Trump International near Mar-a-Lago. It was a month after he got back, uh, before he was, he, he, he just took it from a guy who'd won it while he was in Singapore. It's, it's unbelievable, Mike. Uh, all right. So I remember when I was still writing my political column for the New York Daily News, 
And I, I, I was writing a column about him in the early stages of the Republican thing, never thinking that, right. you know, what would happen, had, would, you know, what has happened would actually happen. Right. Okay. Right. And he ran, and he said 20 club championships to me. And, and, and that, that was like a wall of noise. Okay. Because I got really? off the phone and I, I said to my wife, he said to me, you know, why he was, he was telling me why he was going to win this thing. Okay. And he said, well, you know, I, I, you know how hard it is to win a club championship. And, and I've won 20 of them. And, and I, all I came away from that conversation was thinking, did he just compare getting elected president of the United States to winning, you know, the club championship at, at, at a golf course? And I didn't really process that nobody, I don't even know if anybody's ever won. Rick, has anybody ever won 20 club championships? No. So I, so I checked into that because you, it's really hard. You got to beat the best players in the club, and that's probably 50, 60 guys over And you got to qualify. Days. You have to qualify just to get into the championship flight. You have to qualify just to get in. So the only guy I knew was Buddy Marucci, who took Tiger to the finals yep. uh, of the U.S. Amateur, of, of Trump's age. And he's about Trump's age. And he belongs to 12 clubs all over the country. And so he has nothing but money and time. And he's a great player. And how many of you won, Buddy? And he goes, I think eight at the most. I'm like, well, Trump says he's won 18. He's like, he goes, I don't even think lying I could do that. <laughs> I mean, but, but it gets worse, Mike. He says, uh, you know, you can go on his web, on the gin.com where you, where you put in your handicap scores, your scores to get your handicap. He says he's a 2.8. So to get a handicap, you got to turn in 20 scores, right? Your last 20 scores. And it probably takes you or me three or four months to get 20 scores. It's I, wi- I wish. Yeah, yeah, I wish. Yeah. It's taken him eight years to get the 20 scores. So he's just cherry picking like a mother. <laughs> and, he, and he says he's a 2.8. Do you know what Jack Nicholas? Jack Nicholas right now is a 3.5. Oh, yeah. No, so last were, time I talked to you Jack. Believe? You know, the, the the last time I talked to Jack, I thought he was moving towards a five because he said he was on his way to Augusta to play with what he called this nice little five handicap. Rick, I know I know this because but I, I know how much money my handicap cost me because I, mine's still like eight. OK, I it's I, I'm yeah, I'd like I can't play anywhere near it now. And every time I have to get into one of these stupid matches. I say to the guys on the first tee to my partner, you're going to lose, okay? You're, because I somehow I can't post enough high scores to get my handicap to go up because every once in a while, like a blind squirrel finding an acorn, I'll shoot a good round, okay? Sure. And and the computer will climb in on that. But I saw you on Twitter the other day say that somehow um, um, Mr. Trump's handicap has actually dropped to 1.8. Well, now someone seems to have hacked him. Cause I check this thing all the time and <laughs> they got him playing courses, which I don't think he's ever played and certainly not as president. And they had him shooting 68, <laughs> some Warfield club never even heard of. And then you know, they, someone put him in shooting 98 at some place. <laughs> and it, someone, but his, but it's not like it's phony enough. He's, he says he's actually a 10. Tiger says he's a 10. Faxon says he's a 10. Why isn't that good enough? I don't know. But so can you imagine if you're really a 10, but you got to tell people you're a three in these money games. Right. Can you imagine the depth of cheating that you have to like his caddies have to work overtime to try to cover those seven shots he's given away. He was out here in L.A. He 
uh, his caddies are always way ahead, and he's got this jerry-rigged golf cart that goes really fast. And so they see him hit it in the water. They see the splash. They see the ripple. <laughs> but by the time they get down there, the ball's in the fairway. And I had three guys tell me the story that were in the group. And they could say, what the hell, Donald? We saw the splash. And Trump's ball was in the fairway, and Trump goes, it must have been the tide. <laughs> We're talking Good to time. Rick Riley. We're talking to Rick Riley, who has written Commander in Chief, uh, three weeks on the New York Times bestseller list about uh, uh, the golfing abilities uh, of the president of the United States. Okay. How many people did you talk to for this book who were terrified to go on the record? But, but it, it's surprising that a number of people did talk to you on the record. You know, it's so great to talk to another writer. I can just tell, I can tell you understand. So I must, every single person who I spoke to had a story, left, right, red, blue. They all had a Trump cheating story and not just, not just cheating on the golf course or pretending he won tournaments he never played, but bullying people to get course rankings. You know, he thinks he has the best set of courses in the world. He doesn't. His best course is maybe 156th in America. And yet he, he says that he has five of the 10 best courses in America Everybody has a story. The problem was, they tell you, and you write it down, and I go, thank you. And they go, oh, you can't use it. <laughs> what do you mean? That was great. No, I don't want to be audited. I'm like, well, you, you just said it bothers you, and you think it's shameful, and you, you think it's leaving a big stain on golf to have this guy driving on, on greens and wearing too tight dockers and all that. No, but I don't want to be audited. So half the people... Uh, wouldn't let me use it. Right. So then I write the book. The book comes out, and you can imagine what happens next. All these people who I called who had no comment or wouldn't let me tell a story, came, you got it. Oh, you were exactly right. Here's another one. Now I got all these stories. I could do a sequel, but nobody's going to want to read a sequel. Rick Riley's our guest on the Mike Lubica podcast. His new book, Commander in Cheat, is out now. More of our conversation with Rick right after this from our very good friends at Kronos. Kronos knows that many organizations maintaining a modern workforce of hourly, full, and part-time workers, for them, it can be a challenge. This is especially true for human resources professionals working hard to attract and retain all the best talent. That's why Kronos puts HR, payroll, talent, and timekeeping on a single cloud-based platform. It's one specially designed to give HR professionals supporting a blended workforce a whole new level of confidence. With it, they have everything they need to tackle nearly any human resources challenge and are empowered to not just find and hire the right people, but to engage, motivate, and reward them every single step of the way. Learn more about Kronos HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them at Kronos.com. We are so happy to have them as a sponsor. Rick, what, okay, Rick Riley is, is my guest on the Michael Lubica podcast and, and is the author of Commander in Chief, which is a hilarious book. Um, I, you know, I don't want you to go through the whole book, but my, one of my favorites and one that has gotten a lot of play is the one, uh, involving Mike Tirico's career shot while playing with President Trump. Yes, I think it was a Trump Philly and it was Gruden and and uh, Trump versus Tirico and I think it was Jaworski. So Tirico, nicest guy in all of the world, right. uh, is about a 12 handicap 
and he hits this 230-yard shot up to a blind par five. So he can't see the green, but he can see the top of the flag, and he hits the shot of his life. <laughs> Fantastic shot. Him and his caddy are high-fiving. They're like, this is great. And they get to the green. It's not there. And they even check the hole. It's not in the hole. They look 30 yards left in a bunker, and there it is. And they're like, how could this be? And they check the marking. It's not possible. It had to have hit a drone or a bird or something. <laughs> and they can't believe it. And Tariko leaves one in the, Johnny, in, the, in the kitty litter, knocks it out, three putts for a seven. <laughs> and, you know, Tariko's a great guy, and he just can't figure it out. And so they uh, pay up. And, of course, Trump buys them lunch because he's always – it's not about the money. It's about the winning. And then as they're leaving, he finds out that Trump kicked it into the bunker. And what are you going to, you can't say anything if you're Mike. <laughs> you can't. Said, Mike, what, what did you say? What can you say? You know, it's just, it's just a trailer. Now, does it Trump bother is, Trump Mike? Is a tornado and you're the, ta- you're the t- trailer. You know what I mean? Right. You just hang on. But Rick, um, and if you're Mike, you don't really, I don't even know if he's happy to be a part of this story and a part of this book because he's probably fearful that Trump will come after him. Well, we all are, but what are you going to do? Don't you have to stand up for the truth? I even dedicated the book to the truth. And I said, the truth, it's still a thing. Because I don't, as I say in the book, I'm not so offended as a voter. I'm offended as a golfer. Right. Because he's, he's, just, he's just putting a big splotch on the game. And people always, uh, I get this every day. Yeah, but what does it matter? It's just golf. Well, A, it matters to him. He thought you should vote for him because he's a golf winner. And B, Arnold Palmer used to tell me, I never get in a business deal with a guy until uh, I, I never get in a business deal with a guy until I've played 18 holes with him. And I said, why? And he said, because you can't hide who you are in right. four hours. Right. The golf game of golf is so hard that you if you're going to lose your temper you know, out here, you're going to lose your temper in the business. If you're going to cheat me out here, you're going to cheat me in business. And I don't want any part of you. And so golf is a way to look at look at a guy, and people can say, "Oh, it doesn't matter. Everybody cheats." That's not true. I mean, do you find that to be true? I don't. No, I I, I don't. And and what we have both found, you know, obviously you have been a, around it a lot more professionally th- than I have, and I, I've been lucky enough. You know, I've, I mean, I've covered all the majors at one time or another. I you know, I saw Watson and Nicholas. I was there for Turnberry in 1977, and and more than that, I, I've loved it my whole life. You know, I started playing golf when I was nine. Okay, and and so I played it for over a half a century. And no, I I find it to be an incredibly honorable sport. It, I mean, it's the only sport where a, a, a guy watching on his TV in Peoria. <laughs> will call in and call a penalty because a ball turned over. Yeah. Can you imagine that in football? Uh, hey, there's a guy calling from Peoria. Gronkowski trapped that ball. He didn't really catch it. Yeah. You know, the reason, the reason golf is a game of integrity is because of the great space of it that we just, we had, you had to develop a system where people just trusted each other. I got to trust that you over in the weeds, 150 yards over there, are not going to throw it out or kick it out of the forest. And you got to trust that I didn't just whiff a shot. We just trust each other. Because do you remember when Watson accused Gary Player 
of bending a weed at the Skins game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was, and they hardly spoke to each other the rest of their lives. Right. And this guy cheats like a mafia accountant on every single hole. It's, it's not the game of golf he's playing. And it really speaks to what kind of guy he is. And, you know, we're talking to Rick Riley on the Mike Lubica podcast about his book, Commander in Chief, and uh, Cheat. And, and, you know, here's the thing, Rick. I mean, I, I, I played on, uh, on my high school golf team. And you learn it at a very early age. I remember one match where a guy kept marking his ball. And I finally looked at the kid and I said, you know what? You, you, you've made the first down now. Why don't you go ahead and take it? You know, and... and <laughs> So, so it's, it's ingrained in you now. All right. uh, How many people told you not to do it? How many told you just, you don't want to get involved in this. You're opening yourself up to heartbreak. Uh, However many books you sell, don't do this book. Yes. Almost everybody. Or their (laughs) eyes would get really big. Like, are you serious? You're you're really going to do this? But I don't know. There's something, something deep in me about this because my dad taught me the game, and he said, it's a game of gentlemen. It's a gentleman's sport. Yeah. And we play a, a tournament every year and honor my dad, and he didn't cheat, and we were not to cheat. And, you know, it was, it was about turning in your score right away and shaking the guy's hand. This guy's driving on greens, Mike. I know, and that's, that's... Like, that's like going into the Sistine Chapel and hanging your laundry. You just don't do that. What, Rick, know, it what do you really bothers me on a deep level what he's doing to our game? No, no, I can tell. You can tell if you read the book that that yes, that that if there's one driving force here, it's you are insulted and offended as some no, no seriously as someone yeah. who loves the game. And and so let me ask you this about um, his golf game because you really you have attacked him at at his weakest point. You could see the other day, and we'll get to Tiger in a minute, but but you could see what a fanboy. He is for Tiger Woods, and and what what a, what you know what a golf fanboy is. So you've attacked. He really his, does. Yeah, he really does know golf. He really does. Yeah, he does. And 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 when you look at him, okay, and you've seen the video that somebody copped of the of his swing recently, okay, where he's trying to swing around himself. I I, I thought of the old demerit line, you know, don't take that swing out of town, okay, and you can't get, you can't get parts for it. Yeah. yeah, and so all right, so so Rick, what would you say? At his best, was his was his best game. What what do you think his? I know this is going to sound stupid. What was his legitimate best handicap? Well, you know, uh, Jaime Diaz played with him a few times. Michael Bamberger, I don't know if you know those guys. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. And they they all say the same thing. It's an incredibly flat swing, and he, he swings around himself, but he really clears his hips. And he, he takes a real whack at it. Tiger says he And he, he can putt too. He can really putt. And right? he can putt. But so that's all good. But his but his drives are really long and wild. But see, he can't chip. Right. He is the worst chipper in the world. No, I am. And, I am. He's second worst. Well, a guy I talked to who plays with him in Washington says, and the problem is, because the caddies are always ahead and his caddy throws it out of the bunker or tall grass or whatever tough chip <laughs> right. he never gets better. Yeah, because he never practices that. He never has occasion to hit. Imagine, Mike, if you always had a good lie, you'd never know how to hit the bad lie shots, or to hit the flop shot, or to hit the good bunker shot. And it's kind of, this is kind of my point. He's just robbing himself. That's not. He's robbing himself of the joy we all have of golf, which is once in a great while 
you rise up and hit the shot like Tiger can hit or an amazing recovery or you're getting better. But it's not about that for him. That's why I don't think he truly loves golf. What I think he loves is winning. And whatever he can do to say he won and he kicked your ass and then he's buying the cheeseburgers and he's all great after that, as long as you let him win. And it's all, as I say, it's like if I go to the downtown and buy out of a pawn shop a trophy and I put my name on it and shine it up and put it on my fireplace, when I look close at it, it still reflects the face of a cheater, of a faker. And so this is, this is not an achievement, his baloney golf stories he tells the world. It's all set up on a, on a rickety house of cards. Talking to Rick Riley, um, one of the great sports writers of, of all time, um, about his book, Commander in Chief. Uh, Chief. Okay, I keep saying Commander in Chief. All right, now, Rick, you have part of this. You have challenged him to a match, but yeah. you've laid down some ground rules, which I think are, 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 are meaningful and important to you. Well, he says he's a 2.8. He's, uh, he once tweeted that he could kick my ass and he kicked my ass in golf and he could do it every day. And I'm like, okay, you take your 2.8. I'll take my 6.0, <laughs> but you don't get your Jerry rigged cart with the governor missing. You don't get to have your cheating caddies who have a golf a pockets full of your balls. Uh, we don't get to play cause he's as president. He's only played courses with his name on it. He hasn't played Wingfoot in years. He yeah. only plays where he gets his way. You don't get to play one of your courses, and I want a USGA rules official behind each of us and a camera, <laughs> yeah. and and I'll play you for a hundred grand, and it can go to you know your favorite charity, the Trump Foundation. Oh, sorry, that got closed <laughs> down by the Southern District. Sorry. And I, I, and I my, he'd have to pay, of course, my nothing but nets, yeah, which is my anti-malaria thing. But he has not uh, responded. And so I think what's happening is he knows he can't cover that 2.8. No way. And he can't play. For, Mike, do you know that he played in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am seven times with cameras? Never made the cut. His pro made the cut plenty. He was the weak link. He played in the Tahoe Celebrity Challenge. Says he can beat Oh, he did? He I didn't know he, everybody. He, he played that, Rick? I played it the same year he played it with Stormy Daniels. He played it three times. He never made the top half. In fact, in the year of the Stormy Daniels year, he only made, he didn't even make the top quarter. So, I mean, obviously. Well, he's he was tired. tired. Yeah, he's probably yeah. tired. Yeah. But, I mean, when we've seen it, this is the thing I keep trying to tell people. Anytime he's had to play by the rules in front of cameras, he's not good. He's terrible. So, Do you think- I mean, he's not terrible, but I'm saying when you have to say you're a three handicap, I mean, well, that, of course, those, those are not, no handicaps, but you, you, it's full of crap. It's not real. We're talking to, to my friend Rick Riley on the Mike Lupica podcast uh, about his new book, uh, Commander in Cheat, which is three weeks on the New York Times bestseller. All right, Rick, do you think, even though he will tweet about anybody and, and anything, okay, do you think that he's he he didn't want to draw any more even though you're all over the place with this book and it became a bestseller he didn't want to draw any more attention to it than possible and and knew that he would have helped you if he attacked you yeah because one of my buddies is is one of his best friends and i think he said a 
don't tweet about this. You're just going to drive sales up, and more and more people are going to read this because you know he's read it. I got blocked by Eric Trump on Twitter the other day. And, of course, as President Trump, the Trump is not allowed to block people, but I'm sure he'd love to block me. But um, so he's telling A, don't tweet about it, and B, you, you cannot beat him. He's a, you're not a 2.8. And you can't play with, you can't win without your cat. He's cheating for you. So I think Trump's just, for the, why me? I have no idea. But for the first time in his life, he's showing restraint. Are you surprised? (laughs) Rick, are you actually surprised? You, you must have, you must have been like, like a fighter covering up in the corner. You must have expected the big swing to come. What, didn't you? Yes. Oh, 100%. 100%. Every other book who's, who's um, come out that's, that's uh, made fun of him or pre- revealed the truth about him, he just kills fake news, this and that. And for, but I think this hurts, hits him so deeply that he doesn't want anyone, anybody else to read it. And so I guess it's pretty smart. Did you, uh, by the way, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I, I, I'm going to assume, though, that you weren't invited <laughs> to go on Fox. We tried and tried. Uh, you know, we, uh, Brian Kilmeade is a former sportscaster guy. You probably knew. Yeah. You know, and I called him and he was, he was ah, everybody writes an anti-Trump book. It's not an anti-Trump book. It's a golf book. It's not about politics. It's about how he's propping up this whole Velveeta fake cheese of a golf life that he's not really that great at no and i was dying for him because i know trump watches that show yeah so i got nowhere with that hey rick are you surprised and 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 you know i mean he is the president of the united states and i guess when he asks people to play golf with him they they feel as if they ought to are you surprised at some of the golf partners he has had including you know you know i've known fax a long time red fax is a really good guy i mean we saw the picture of of president trump with jack and and tiger that time um so the, the, there and 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 we both know that that, that the the pga tour is not exactly um a bastion of of liberal th- liberal thinking people or liberal leaning people. But with all that, are you surprised that he he still gets games? No, because I played in the president with with, with the sitting president. I played with Clinton at congressional and I was, cause I'm a big presidential. I just love all the little things that come with it. You know, Ike spike marks in the oval office floor and all that. Yeah. And so I think people want to see what it's like. And it is amazing because with Trump, you get Secret Service, you get the SWAT teams, you get, uh, I guess it's 15 golf carts. One cart has a Scud missile in it. One cart has this little, it's, they call it the bomb, port-a-bomb. It looks like a portalette, <laughs> only on a side, and they can throw him in there if a bomb comes. And one cart has the vials of blood, and they got the nuclear football. It's all out there with him. So it's pretty amazing. The other thing people say is he plays so fast, and of course, you can play fast if you never putt out (laughs) that uh, you play through uh, uh, three or four groups every time. And you've done in about, he likes being done in three hours. And then it's at at, uh, Trump, Washington, he uh, gets a big round table in the corner and he orders up like 20 cheeseburgers and fries and diet Coke. And then anybody can come up to his table because 
they've already cleared the restaurant and Secret Service has, has cleared everybody. And he just lets people come up and talk to him about anything, which is great if you're a Chinese spy. But so I, I can see why you'd want to be part of that. But if you're if you're getting to why this, so I was I was disappointed in Tiger taking that medal, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, because any president will give him that. Anybody's going to give him that. But do people realize that they're business partners? Right. Tiger's designing a course for Trump in Dubai. In Dubai, right. yeah. A course that Trump will operate, and you know, and the other thing is Trump. You know, Tiger always gives us the same answer, like when they say, "Why do you play with with Donald Trump?" When he's, you know, we've, we've asked him. You know, Trump thinks golf should only be, and has said this publicly three times, should only be for people who can join a country club. He thinks it should be an aspirational sport. In other words. The poor and the middle class don't right. deserve golf. Right. And he said this over and over. Why would you play with a guy that stands for nothing that you believe in? Right. Tiger Woods Foundation is all about giving at-risk kids right. the opportunity. And edu- Why would you do that? And he goes, because you have to respect the office, if not the man. But then Tiger goes on Colbert, Stephen Colbert, and Colbert says, tell me about the presidents you've played golf with. And he went through you know, Bush 41 and Clinton and Obama, and then he stopped. And Colbert goes, well, what about Trump? And Tiger gets this big grin on his face and goes, you said presidents. Wow. So, so he's not respecting the office, really. He's dissing him right on. T- so in the, in, in the middle of all that, and the fact that he cheated on him, Trump cheated on Tiger in a match with DJ and uh, Faxon, he, he still went and accepted this award. So, like, who's next to get one? Just the hottest. Who's ever hot? Let's give one to Arya Stark. Let's give one to, you know, James Harden or yeah, Kevin Durant. Who's, you know, who's next? It's just, uh, just the worst kind of star screwing to me. You listen to the Mike Lubica podcast, and we're chatting with the great Rick Riley. More with Mr. Riley in a moment, but first this from Geico. Okay, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning. Pick up some milk. But here's an idea. Let's have save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? It may just be the most rewarding to-do you do today. All right, we're talking to Rick Riley, and and we've both done this long enough to know that you know how, how often do you go on a radio show or one of these podcasts, and they say, "Hey, listen, we, we'll get to the book, but first we want to talk about this." Okay, I we we do it in reverse here. So, just a couple of things. Um, one, uh, we lost the the guy who I thought was the Babe Ruth of our profession uh, not long ago, and and the guy who covered golf at Sports Illustrated, in addition to everything else before you did, and that is the great. Um, uh, Dan Jenkins. And I told Sally after he died, not only that, that she quoted me in the eulogy saying that it was the most improbable 90 years uh, of, of anybody who's ever lived on the, on the planet. <laughs> but <laughs> Sally said this, okay. And, and, and the, what he did when he did it at Sports Illustrated, and I believe she's a hundred percent right. She said he changed the course. He, she changed the course of the river. Okay, and and that's what I've always believed he did. Yeah, I mean, see, he left in 84 and I came the next year and started covering golf and college football. So it was like I had to follow this genius (laughs) who was 
this writing these incredible sentences that I was as a kid. I'm like, oh my god, how did he think of that? And now suddenly I'm trying to fill those shoes. But he was still great to me. Like he would still sit there and he'd I'd pull sit up at the bar with him. Remember, and he'd have a scotch in one hand, a coffee in another, and a cigarette or two going. And these things would come out of his mouth. And he, but basically, he taught me and he probably taught you, screw everybody. You know, don't don't you can be irreverent as you want. Yeah. You can tell the truth. And he, his thing was, screw the editors, screw the publisher, write true sentences. Tell the people the truth. Be, be short, funny, and true. And nobody did that better than him. He was, he could say, even sitting around with him, he just always could do it in 10 words. It took everybody else 150. Hey, Rick, and he was Rick, just, don't you know? talent. Rick, those of us who knew him and loved him, okay, that's why he was so great. I, I wanted to, t I tried to tell people, you have to follow him on Twitter yes. because yes. you will then get the experience of what it's like sitting in the lanes <laughs> with him or sitting at the bar with him because that's those short bursts that were funnier than anybody else was saying. You did get the sense of, of who he was and what it was like to hang with him. I remember once we were, somehow the golf got... Somehow we were watching baseball, and he goes, the problem with baseball is that not enough third basemen get killed by line drive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it was... <laughs> it was it, like that every time you sat with him, and it all came out of the side of that little mouth, and it was just hilarious, fantastic stuff. And you're right, Twitter really kind of kept him going, I think. Yes, yes. And and you you couldn't I mean that that's you know this the riffs he used to do about Sergio I me Sergio I mean I I would sit there during a big golf tournament and just laugh out loud and I but but again having known him you could hear him saying this because Rick you know this he never tried to be the life of the party he would wait and wait and then the the the, the conversation it was like a, a a good offense in basketball the ball would finally come to him and then he would say something to put everybody away yeah and it was you kind of always got the feeling he was sort of shy but he was just had this giant brain that couldn't be without so he'd, he'd throw something out like did i just hear what he just said right but when he wrote it was even better and the other thing like you he was really fast oh my god i mean i oh couldn't believe i'd see him and I'm like how the hell is he done already and i know it's going to be amazing and you're like oh i should take up accounting it, it uh, sitting next to him in a big press box and you're i i, I <laughs> full disclosure i am not a slow writer okay I, I think we would agree that that's that's a fair assessment of me on Dilma. i'd say you're uh, the fastest but him and you him or you was fastest okay ever but, but rick there was a, there was a time and you'll appreciate this um back when brent musburger was doing nfl today and he was at the top of his game and one week they had him fill in doing uh channel two sports in new york city which was ron Soboda was doing it at the time and Soboda said afterwards that watching him sit down at the height of his talent like that he said it was like watching henry aaron hit okay that's what it was like to sit next to Dan. You'd sit down yeah, in the press right. in the press room at Augusta, and you're right, coffee here, cigarette there, you know, old fashioned manual typewriter. And not only was he fast, he'd write 
copy that you could eat lunch off of. It was that clean. And, I, you know, and you oh, could, Rick, it? you know. I, I, never, I never saw his copy. Oh, sh- Rick, Rick, I'm was telling you. I, I, and and you're, you, you're trying to focus on your own stuff, okay? But you can't <laughs> right. not watch him. And, you know, he had that very erect posture. And uh, and then, you know, uh, he was writing a longer piece than I was. But we finished about the same time. And he just turned to me and he said, uh, we done here? And I'd say, and I'd want to say, not only am I done today, I'm done now and for all times because I just watched you do it again. Well, I mean, do you remember, do you remember when Ben Crenshaw uh, was at the Masters and Harvey Pinnock dies, his great old teacher back in Austin, and he leaves the Masters on the practice day, goes back, goes to the funeral, gives the eulogy, comes back to Augusta, his heart is broken. Right. This is a guy who practically raised him on the golf course. And then he wins the Masters. Yep. And I think it was 94, 95 or something. And uh, Dan Jenkins' lead was, well, it was a bad day to be an atheist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I had been at Augusta the the time that Ben won his first one. We're talking to Rick Riley um, on the Mike Lubick podcast, my old friend, one of the great, great sports writers of all time. And by the way, somebody who did okay following uh, Dan doing golf and, 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 and college football. All right. Before we go today, you have already referenced him. Uh, put into perspective from Rick Riley's point of view, what we witnessed at the at the Masters. Well, to me, the, the round he shot on Sunday was just a, a smart, very run-of-the-mill 70 he shot. He hit fairways. He hit the fat part of the green. He lagged his way to the green jacket. At 12, he lagged. Uh, he, he got it up and down amazingly on 10. Uh, he did hit one incredible shot on 16, but it, it wasn't this showstopper of a round. What it was was, having covered this guy since he was a freshman in college, it's the first time I've seen him really let us see how he felt. Yep. For the first time in my life, he stopped hiding who he was and just let it all out. And I got chilled. I was, I was crying because I stood there when he hugged Earl, his father, at Augusta in 97. And now here he was on the very same spot, Mike. Yep, hugging his son, who his father never got to meet, and that they ne- those two never met, and so it was just and and all the th- all the things Tiger had been through and put himself through, mind you, all that was just sort of washed away in this incredible circle of life moment, and to be to do that at forty three on a half a back and half a knee, that was incredible, and to get to show I know how much he loves those kids. To get to show the kids what that felt like, and the, and that incredible walk from the from the green to the Butler cabin, I, I can remember when he when the walk he did in '97. I thought that was the greatest walk I'd ever seen, and I remember this sort of pudgy guy broke through the ropes and patted him on the back, and I looked at him, and it was the actor Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so that was an incredible moment. But this seemed even better somehow, not for the golf he played, but which was fine. It was smart. It was, it was ironically no errors in it. And, uh, it was, but it was the emotion that just carried me away. Uh, Rick, Rick Riley and I talking about uh, Tiger Woods. We've been talking about his book, Commander in Chief, uh, about President Trump. All right. Uh, last question about Tiger. Two last questions about Tiger. I'll just say two because if I had only asked one, I would have lied. Okay. 
Jack in 86 or this, that's question number one. And and question number two is, do you like him? Tiger? Yeah. No, I, I love the game. I don't, I don't admire the man at all. Uh, he doesn't treat fans well. He doesn't tip. I mean, I've had a, a hundred people tell me he just gets up and doesn't, like he doesn't eat dessert. So he's done with his meal and he just gets up and walks out because he doesn't leave any money. Um, he's, he's one of these guys, Mike, that tells really dirty jokes. Like, oh, God, you want to go bathe in Purell after some of those jokes? <laughs> yeah. So, but I've never seen a skill set like this. Maybe on any athlete. What he can do with a golf ball. That stretch in 2000 when he won all yeah, four majors right, in a row. Right. I mean, that's not like Federer beating seven guys to win Wimbledon. He has to beat 143 guys. He has to beat Mickelson and Duvall, yes, and he has to beat Bob May and nobody's and Orville Moody type guys, right? He, so he, that is what, 560 and O without losing? That's the most incredible thing I think I've ever seen in sports. So I love the game. I love the drive. I, I love the ethic of golf that he plays. I just don't like him personally. And Jack in 86 like or this? Okay, this or Jack? Because I, I, me Jack, to me yeah, Jack, me too, me too. He was out of it. He he couldn't break an egg. If you remember, he could. He wasn't even making cuts. He has his son on the bag, so it's kind of like ah, he's given up. And then he comes from five behind on the last day. Can hardly see where the ball's landing. Beats, by the way, the player of the generation at the time, Greg Norman. Yep. Beat Tom Kite. Beats beat Seve. Beat Seve. Beat Seve. And this was just so such a shock. This was not a shock, what Tiger did. He led at Carnoustie, if you remember. Should have won the PGA. Should have won the PGA. He, crooked well, you driver. You couldn't beat Brooks Kepka that day because he was Superman. But he was second. Uh, he, he hung right in there. So then he wins the Tour Championship. I mean, the guy, as he goes into Augusta this year, was top five pick. Got to be in the top three pick to win it. So Jack wasn't even – remember what Tommy McAllister wrote? And Jack put on his fridge that week? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got no chance. Got no chance. And that's all it took. That's all it took. Um, Rick Riley, thank you for doing this today. The book is a scream. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy it's a, it's, it's a bestseller. I will tell you this, okay? And we, we, we covered a lot of big events together. I, I don't really miss it that much, but that Sunday at Augusta, I, 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 I wish I had been standing there um, following him um, off that green with his kid and getting to write a column about it. Well, the other thing I miss, Mike, is because uh, Jenkins taught me that you can do this. You go up to the balcony the clubhouse every day, order breakfast. They'll let you do that with the players and everybody. And you sit in the, in the shade of the, of the oak tree, and you can spy down and watch the players and all these captains of industry. And you're like, oh, my God, there's Bill Gates. And, and that, I really miss that. But making deadline, trying to come up with a reason why people are going to care about Buffalo versus Cleveland, I don't miss that at all. Rick Riley, thanks for doing this. Um, uh, continued success with your book. And uh, if you need me on the bag for the big match, give me a call, okay? <laughs> thanks, Mike.
Greg Riley on the Mike Lubica Podcast. This has really been fun today. We've known each other a long time. The book's a scream. Commander in Chief. Um, continue to download. Continue to subscribe. It's why we're doing this twice a week now. You can find us on the Stitcher platform, along with Sports Reporters now, which is uh, which Bob and Mitch and I have continued off of the Sunday mornings, and we're doing that twice a week. And uh, we will talk to you next week, everybody. The Mike Lupica Podcast is produced and distributed by Compass Media Networks in conjunction with Hiltzik Creative. For iPhone users, go to the podcast app and search the Mike Lupica Podcast. Click on the Mike Lupica Podcast icon and subscribe. For non-iPhone users, you can listen on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. 